0: Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. My name is Meredith, and I will be your humble host. Serving Love is an exploration around some of the paths to show up and live as love and to be of service to something greater than ourselves. We will dive deep into topics such as sacred sex, God, goddess, spirituality, and an array of modalities in the world of personal growth. I feel so honored to have the privilege to share with you here. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. Today, we have Sirdar Hararovic. Hi, Sirdar.
1: Hey, Meredith.
0: Welcome, welcome. So happy to have you today. Um, You've been a really big mentor for me, coach. And so I'm just so grateful to have you on the podcast so we can talk about your work because, as you know, I think it's really important what you do. So why don't you give us a little snippet into what you do?
1: Sure. So uh, I basically do what I call attachment-informed coaching, which means uh, I work with people on their relationship to themselves as well as others in the context, mainly, you know, the framework is dating and relationships. Um, but there's a lot of different themes that go into that. But basically in terms of what the attachment-informed lens brings to my work is that we're understanding uh, our human need for connection and closeness and for the security of that bond being the basis of the work that i do with people and the things that get in the way of that so um i help people you know look at what might be going on that they're dating or relationships i'm not feeling secure or they're not able to express their needs in ways that are effective or they're getting into dynamics or patterns with people where they're finding it unsatisfying or uh, it's distracting them from the other things that they want to focus on in their life so these are all aspects of insecure attachment or you know um, attachment wounds or difficulties in having a secure bond with other people so that's the kind of lens that i bring into my work and um, there's different ways of approaching that challenge. And um, I don't know if you want me to go into detail of how I work with that, but that's the basic kind of premise of the work that I do, that attachment matters, our bonds with other people matter. And there's nothing that helps us to thrive and flourish as human beings more than having a secure connection with other people.
0: Oh, Totally. And I'm just so grateful that I was introduced to your work because I found it when I was like really on my knees. And Kind had, of like hadn't really looked at my life from this lens yet. Like I had been working on some attachment stuff, but not really at the depth that I did with you. And I want to like shout it from the rooftops, just how important it is. I think, um, and we've talked about this before, how this, this like attachment wounds, like they get really stepped over in the world of personal development when there's like all these super shiny, sparkly things, like, you know, pussy and tantra and you know all these like really exciting like you know things with the bells and the whistles I think people skip this and we continue and this was me for so long continuing on like doing these practices but none of them felt like they were really sticking or landing or like actually getting me the love that I wanted because I hadn't faced this stuff. So I was still continually attracting, like, anxiously. <laughs> I was anxious attached uh, and, like, uh, avoidant relationships and just such painful, painful relationships because I hadn't worked on this. And yes. so I was just so grateful when we started working together because it helped me so fucking much. And I we haven't talked since... We finished working together, but my life has shifted majorly, like the way that I relate with men because I date men, um, how I ask for what I want, how I say no, you know, like how many times you and I had those practice conversations where I actually wanted to die. (laughs) you would be like okay let's practice a scenario where you say no to the thing that you don't want and I'd be sweating profusely I'm like starting to sweat even just thinking about how hard that was but it like helped so much and now I get to walk in the world having secure relationships not just in dating but like with my family with my friends with everybody in my life
1: wow well that is really beautiful to hear (laughs) testimonial uh, yeah and it's it's i think a testament to how powerful attachment informed work can be because we didn't work very long together you know Mm. um but because the approach that i took was about getting to um you know understanding the root of what is causing those challenges and being using methods that are designed to actually help with that that's that's my personal you know value set in the world I want people to be able to not need me and so I have invested in um you know finding and learning and cultivating skills that can really support people to do that so that you know it's not a very sustainable business model but it is in alignment with my values so um, it is great to hear that it has had a positive impact. It usually takes quite a bit longer for people to see those kinds of changes. But I think you already had a foundation of, you know, doing a lot of work already. So, um, but yeah, that that attachment informed perspective means meant that we could, you know, really get to the heart of things and discover what would be the most effective and helpful for you. And so I'm really happy to hear that, you know, things have moved in that direction since then.
0: It's been great. And it's also just like such a relief. And um, I want to speak to about what you said about it not being a sustainable business model, just because it has me think of, you know, in the coaching world about how and just like, you know, I am your guru. (laughs) Like, Like you're really teaching people to be their own healer right? Like it's so important. Like you give people a set of tools and then they can move on and they can use those tools. And from time to time, they they might need like a a check-in and a re-up as we do in life, but you're not like trying to get people hooked forever. And I just really appreciated that. Um, I'm curious, where did this all start for you? Like, why did you come to this work? Like, what had you even get into this?
1: Um, well, that, that's, uh, you know, my personal healing journey, uh, which started about five years ago when I was, uh, I was a problem drinker. I would binge drink on weekends and, uh, it was, yeah, really impacting my life and my finances, my emotional health. I had a lot of shame and I was very isolated in that experience. And I was fortunate I ended up, uh, meeting a woman on this dating website, who ended up being a priestess in these shamanic ceremonies, and uh, I wasn't involved in anything to do with spirituality at that time. So this was a, you know, fortunate encounter uh, with this woman, and she, you know, kind of uh, gently uh, invited me into her spaces, and I started doing some of that healing work, you know, plant medicine and all the all the rest of it, and basically I started exploring all these different healing modalities to get a sense of what is going on for me, you know, not just with the drinking, but uh, at that time, I was in love with this woman who I had met and a lot of pain that I had not confronted suddenly came through uh, and I was experiencing a lot of Uh, you know, agony, emotional pain around the fact that I really wanted to be with this person and connect with her more deeply, but she wasn't available for that. She was dealing with something uh, or a past relationship herself. So she wasn't really there, but I felt all this, you know, uh, I didn't know what to do with all the pain that I was in around that. And it was confusing to me because it was kind of all of a sudden, because I had repressed a lot of my feelings up until that point in my life because of my childhood traumas and um neglect i had just kind of learned to push it away and try and uh, ignore it and so all this pain was there but i didn't know what to do with it and so that's why i went through all these different healing modalities including you know kundalini uh awakenings and uh what what else There's all all the plants all the cacti's the list, um, <laughs> the, list. <laughs> <laughs> the tantric stuff I went to ista oh, um,
0: yeah. I'm going next yeah. week to Tulum for level two <laughs> nice nice
1: so uh, yeah I tried all this different stuff and some of it uh, was helpful but over time what one thing that I experienced uh, was a uh, a practice where I had two people pretending to be my parents and they were sharing all these loving words to me. It was meant to be what's called a corrective experience uh and the idea is you know we're receiving everything that we never had. And that was one thing like of all the things that I did during that period in my life that was one thing that stuck with me. It was like wow that actually felt really good. There was something about that that felt healing. So as I continued my journey trying to understand and grapple with my emotions going to different practitioners Um, I slowly went down this path of understanding more about childhood, emotional neglect, childhood trauma, uh, attachment issues. And eventually that was the path that I found to be the most healing, which was going down the path of doing this inner child healing work, uh, which is kind of similar to uh, IFS work, internal family systems work. But basically the ideas were kind of like... uh, Reparenting our wounded younger parts inside of us, the inner child. And that was the kind of stuff that I found really helpful. And it was in the lens of this uh, attachment informed perspective that, you know, the stuff that happens to us as a child stays with us and we can develop beliefs and views and experiences that arise or stem from that. So I went, I started going in that direction and, um, because that's what I found to be the most helpful in understanding how I had uh, come to be the human being that I was at that time in my life, as a result of my, you know, childhood experiences, which were a mixture of physical trauma, uh, as well as a lot of emotional neglect. My parents were immigrants from another country, and um, you know, they had a lot of stress in their marriage, and they weren't really able to be there for us in the way that children need their parents to be there. So I never really experienced uh, attunement or that mirroring that all human beings need to kind of discover who they are and to find out that they are valuable and to know what their boundaries are, to know what their authentic self is. So I never got that experience. And so uh, that was something that was one of the things that led to my drinking which was just feeling a deep alienation from my own self my you know inner self as well as a lack of safety to even be connected with myself because of the the trauma the physical trauma so um anyway so I ended up uh you know discovering these perspectives that really helped me to start integrating those experiences and The community that I was a part of at the time, there was a lot of uh, ideas that just didn't feel resonant for me and that didn't seem to be very helpful for people. You know, those were things around explaining things from the perspective of either, you know, twin flames uh, or from the perspective of astrology, which I know can be helpful for a lot of people, but in terms of dealing with our patterns in relationships, a lot of what I was involved in uh, and surrounded by including polarity, tantric stuff. None of it really seemed to get to the heart of it. Whereas I was finding that a lot of, uh, I was receiving a lot of benefit from the stuff that I was doing. And so I started slowly offering um, some mentoring to other people, uh, some guidance that was attachment informed work. And... um yeah i felt guided to at that time in my life the contrast between what i what it used to be like to to be me and the experience of who i was versus who i was starting to become was such a huge contrast i was i was just like overflowing with gratitude to even be alive at that point in my life and to like find the kind of peace and Uh, enjoyment of just being alive and connecting with people in ways that I never knew how to do before. A lot of that just kind of came through in this desire to support other people in that process as well. I wanted to help other people to work with the kind of shame that I had uh, worked through, the kind of alienation that I uh, had experienced for most of my life. And now I felt connected with myself and others. I wanted to be able to help others experience that as well. So that's kind of what, you know, started it all for me.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. And I'm curious, like what attachment style are you before healing it?
1: Right. So that's uh, my, my, I suspect that I was disorganized, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a bit of a mixture of anxious and avoidant. Uh, But the the primary feature of disorganized attachment is a lack of safety. So because of the trauma that I had experienced as a child, uh, I did want connection, but there was a part of me that had never experienced that connection. So I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it meant to actually experience authentic intimacy with another human being because I had never experienced that. And secondly, I also had a lack of safety around connection because of the um, the physical trauma that I experienced as a child. So disorganized attachment is associated with more trauma than the other attachment styles. So um, I don't remember exactly at the time what, what the results, my online, you know, because at that time I only did those online quizzes, um, but that's what I suspect that I had before.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, would you mind giving like a one sentence overview of each attachment style? Because there may be some people who don't, understand or know you know what this is yet
1: sure so um just quickly attachment styles represent the way that we learned to deal or navigate with uh, our need for connection as children and they're they are adaptive and intelligent you know we find ways to cope as children with our environment and as an adult our attachment style represents our dominant way in which we uh, respond to intimacy and the beliefs and uh, expectations and behaviors associated with our coping mechanisms. So an anxious attachment style uh, would be, yeah, it's, it's character. Yeah. So it's characterized by preoccupation and uh, over focusing on other people And being over involved in their state of mind. So there's a the general uh you know internal experience of anxious attachment is I'm not safely connected, and I need to be hyper-vigilant to what I need to do and figure out what I need to say or how I need to respond to maintain that connection because it's it always feels like it's gonna be disappearing. It's you know, I'm gonna be abandoned, I will be rejected. And so, all the responses that arise from that, uh, you know, uh, what what they call a hyperactivation of the attachment system. And it's, as a child, basically it comes from that inconsistency of our caregivers. So sometimes they were there and sometimes our needs were met, but other times they weren't. So we had to kind of figure out uh, when might our needs be met and what do I need to do in order to get those needs met. And the one of the coping mechanisms for that is the hyperactivation. So that looks like um, uh, a, an intensity of feeling. So if I'm more feeling more intensely, if I'm protesting more loudly, uh, if I'm angrier, my caregiver might respond to me then. So it's a it's a one way of getting our needs met. So that that's the anxious attachment style.
0: Great. And what about avoidant?
1: So avoidant is what they call a deactivated attachment uh, system, which is the opposite, meaning as a child, usually avoidance had an experience of emotional neglect and sometimes even rejection of their experiences, their needs. Uh, and what what that coping mechanism is about is they learned that it they, their needs just wouldn't be met. There was so such a scarcity of having their most basic needs for emotional connection met that they decided that it would it would be more effective to deactivate their attachment system and to basically give up on connection and needing others in that way. And so uh, avoidance, uh, you know, there's an associate association with self sufficiency, um, not needing others, and uh, so. As there's a general discomfort with the idea of emotionally depending on others, or even depending on others in any kind of way, including others depending on them, so they learn to deal with their early experiences by deactivating the attachment system, and you know all attachment styles have their benefits. But they also have their downsides and for an avoidant attachment style the downside is not getting to experience the richness of human connection which we're actually wired to you know really thrive from that connection Mm -hmm. and so in one of the interesting things that comes from the, the attachment uh uh, world is when they were doing studies on children who were avoidantly attached what they found was although the avoidantly attached child didn't appear to care whether the parent was gone or whether they came with and when the parent came back into the room when they were doing the studies the uh, physiological tests on that child you could see that its heart rate was elevated and that there were actual physiological signs of stress so although on the surface, they appear to like not care and it doesn't matter, you know, because they're, they're trying to deactivate their attachment system. The physiological signs actually show that they do care. It is a stressful experience. So the, these things, you know, not having thriving uh, human connection affects them as well, even though they have learned to not be with it, to not need it. So.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I'm curious, I feel like so often, uh the there's like a, an anxious person attracts an avoidant person avoidance attract mm-hmm. anxious like and both things need like opposite you know things so like what what do you, what's your theory as to why <laughs> they are attracted to each other
1: uh well it's uh it, 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 you can go pretty deep into that in terms <laughs> of uh you know the psychological underpinnings of why avoidance and anxious people give me the elevator pitch the uh, <laughs> uh i didn't i don't know that i have an elevator pitch <laughs> okay. for it. Uh, but basically uh avoidant people like if you look at like who's going to be with an avoidant person who's going to be attracted to a, an avoidant person it's not going to be an, a securely attached person because you know a securely attached person is comfortable with their need for connection and they, uh, they want to uh, be with people, right? An avoidant person is just not gonna really match with a securely attached person. So who's left in the dating pool? You've got, you know, who's left is you've got the anxiously attached people uh, and the disorganized attached people. And so what ends up happening is just by a kind of a process of elimination, you've got avoidance who haven't got with the secure people. So you've got the anxious people and. What do anxious people, uh, what, 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 what might attract an anxious person to an avoidant? Well, there is a lot of similarities between an avoidant person and the early experiences for anxiously attached people, what they got used to as a child. So what it is, is that it just kind of feels normal in a way for an anxiously attached person to be with an avoidant person. They're just kind of used to that. They're used to trying to reach someone. They're used to having to be hyper-vigilant and, you know, try and figure out what do I need to do to make this work. Um, So by process of elimination, as well as repetition, compulsion, uh, you know, what feels familiar to us as a result of our childhood experiences, um, there's there's an attraction that gets formed there.
0: Mm -hmm. I can attest to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. So I'm curious what you think, because I hear, you know, it goes around that people are like, well, your attachment stuff can never really fully be healed. Like, what do you think about when you hear that?
1: Um, w- well, what I think is that, for example, the fear of abandonment is not a wound. The fear of abandonment is built into human beings so when people talk about you know your attachment stuff is never going away what my question is like what what are they identifying as your stuff mm-hmm. right so we, we need to kind of be nuanced about it because that's something that isn't going to go away our need for attachment yeah it's, that's not going to go away uh our need to feel secure with people and to feel safe with, with people that's not going to go away so and we, I don't think we should try and make that go away and try and fix that. I think that's where a lot of personal development work goes wrong. Is we're trying to like uh, fix and heal stuff that is actually our humanity and what makes us human. And it's 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 a constant. You know, there's a never-ending cycle that goes into that because you, you, if something is inherently unhealable, then what people what ends up happening is people get, get on this treadmill of you know constant healing and it's like I still have this and I still have that. It's like that's not nece- that thing that you're identifying as a problem is not necessarily the problem. It's it's not the needs that we have that are the problem usually it's the ways that we're trying to get them met. So um so that's you know my general view on that. But in terms of at our actual you know attachment uh issues in the form of the ineffective ways that we might go about getting our needs met, that stuff can definitely be changed and people become can become securely attached. The research shows this. It doesn't matter how much, um, how severe your attachment disturbances are, you can become securely attached as an adult. Now, that doesn't mean that we can eliminate, uh, you know, everything that you've ever experienced and pretend like you know you haven't had 30 40 50 years of having an insecure attachment style like there are remnants of our past experiences with us Um, but what we can do is work with them in new ways and we can practice that and we can continuously cultivate those new skills and I, i think that approach is the 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 most effective one as well as the the one with the least amount of shame attached to it. So instead of trying to, you know, fix it and be perfectly healed, it's acknowledging that we have histories and we can learn uh, new skills to be able to work with what we've uh, had to deal with in our lives.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And I, um, I want to speak back to what you said about inherent need um, because this is something that brought me a lot of relief when we were working together is that like it's okay to have needs and be like, have like being attached to a human being is okay. Like, there's actually nothing wrong with that. And there's so much that does go around in the world of personal development that's like, you're not allowed to be attached. You're supposed to be completely surrendered and free of all attachments. And I think that exacerbates a lot of these. These, like they, these issues that we have because we're just told that we're wrong for even wanting attachment to want to be attached to another human being. And so I just love this work because it's like I learned that I get to have attachment but in a healthy way in a different way, but it's okay to have needs um so I just I just love that and it's so important and um yeah.
1: I'm I'm happy to hear that because yeah that's a that's a point um, that I, yeah I think is really important. Attachment is a fundamental human need. It's what makes us you know part of what makes us human is that we attach we 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 form these pair bonds, and we are deeply wired to have that experience. And so that's where that idea that we shouldn't be attached can absolutely get in the way of our healing work because if we're trying to fix something that is not fixable and can't be fixed that's when people get stuck in those uh you know uh the the treadmills or the um the the endless loops of trying to work through something because they've it's been misdiagnosed and attachment is one of those things the problem isn't that we are attached to something the problem is how we're going about uh meeting our needs on the kinds of people for example that we might be attaching to um, the kinds of conversations that we're having with people before we're getting attached to them those are the kinds of things that are the issue not the attachment process which is um you know just an inherent part of being a human being for example love you know if we didn't have attachment we wouldn't have love because love is a human experience that drives us to get closer to others Right, so we want to connect with them more. When I love someone, I want to be closer to them. I want to spend more time with them. That's a that's the bonding process. That's the attachment process. If it, if there was no love, that wouldn't happen, right? So, trying to um, you know purge ourselves of attachment is is trying to purge ourselves of love and everything that makes us human beings. And so I think it's that's where this uh, de-shamefying perspective is so important, and why the attachment perspective is actually very de-shamefying, because it's saying, actually, no, attachment is a good thing. It's what makes us human, and it's been shown to uh, help us to really thrive and flourish. Because when we have that secure base. We're wired in such a way that we just feel a lot safer and secure in the world. And from that place, we feel like we can really explore ourselves, others, our gifts. And and that's what I think, um, you know, what inspires me to do this work, because the more people who feel secure enough to really explore themselves and what they want to offer the world, that's going to, you know, um, just be beneficial to everyone.
0: Mm. I love it. And that's the way you're serving love on this planet.
1: (laughs) I love it. That's to get together.
0: So good. Um, Yeah, you want to tell people what it's like, like some of the uh, like exercises that you do, because I, you know, I didn't expect it to be like, I feel like we did some um, hypnosis and some different things. So why don't you give us like a little snippet of what something might look like?
1: Sure. So the basic approach that I take is offering people a corrective experience. So when we, um, when someone has never had the experience of being able to share their vulnerable uh, moment and uh, insecurity that they might have in the connection, if they've never had the experience that they can share that with someone and that it's safe to do so, that is not even part of their reality. They won't even know what I'm talking about until they experience it right so when we when i can offer that experience to someone now they can go into their dating and relationship world with a whole new level of authenticity which leads to more fulfillment for them right because instead of having to like wear a mask and pretend that they're someone that they're not they can actually connect with someone from their deepest self so those corrective experiences are part of what i do with people which is basically doing uh, exercises uh, you know, specially designed exercises based on a person's unique uh, experiences and their challenges in intimacy. So, um, those can be fun. You know, something you mentioned before, you know, it was, it was no, a bit daunting. Oh, no. <laughs> so, sometimes it is a bit more challenging. And depending on, you know, the, the we usually start gentle, but uh, sometimes we, we go straight into some, uh, you know, harder stuff um when it feels like you know the person actually wants that and uh you know i think you wanted to to totally
0: <laughs> i totally so, didn't did mean i liked every it wasn't easy yeah. medicine to swallow <laughs>
1: yeah but and that was what was that
0: but it's good medicine
1: yeah yeah and there was some boundaries work right and so it's about tailoring the process to each individual because people can do really kind of uh basic boundaries work you know (laughs) i've done boundary work at like retreats and stuff and it's all a little bit unrealistic in my experience it's all kind of like you know we're gonna teach you how to say no uh when someone's you know moving towards you and that will that will you know you will then have boundaries and it's like that's not how it works people don't just have a, a little you know exercise like that and then learn how to have boundaries in the moments where you know there's a nuanced thing coming up and they're feeling some hesitation uh and it's like those realistic scenarios are where things really shift for people when they get a sense of like what does it feel like to connect with my gut feeling about this to slow down and to you know ask uh or express that i i'm not sure about this and i i'm I'm not gonna say yes because i'm not sure yet so having those more realistic scenarios are really helpful for people um So, yeah, I do usually start gentle with people with this stuff. And it can also just be conversations about things like, uh, you know, intentions. So, we could role play a conversation where we're having a conversation about uh, what are our intentions in our connection. So, a lot of people might know that that's a good idea thing to do. But in the moment, if you're, you know, attracted to someone and you're, you know, you have that chemistry with them, you might not do that. You might overstep what you know is important to you and just kind of go with the flow and then kind of deal with the repercussions afterwards. So practicing slowing down in the moment and hearing your own voice express, uh, you know, the fact that even though it's vulnerable for you right now to like, you know, s- stop in this moment, you feel like you just want to have a conversation. So having those experiences can be really um, beautiful for people to just kind of uh, know what it's like to feel like they have that power to have those conversations. So um, so that's one thing that I do with people. And um, it's, it's a little bit more detailed than what I'm describing. There's a process that I go through to be able to, um, you know, identify exactly what, would support someone mm-hmm. with that. But um, so that's one thing that I do. And the other side of what I do is the attachment uh, healing work. So it's also a corrective experience, but basically, um, you know, based on what someone has experienced. So a person with anxious attachment, they generally w- would have caregivers that were inconsistent or unreliable in some way. And there, there might be um, a, you know caregivers who the the person I may have had to be in the state of mind of my mother and be hyper vigilant to what might be going on for her because I figured out that that would be the only way that I could stay safe and, and uh, get my needs met. So it's called that outside in orientation is what it leads to as an adult. But uh, what we do is we create these ideal parent figures that are the complete opposite of what someone actually experienced. And the idea with this is over time, this is the process that actually helps people become securely attached. Um, and, and the idea is that you're internalizing a whole new blueprint of attachment. So instead of, I need to be uh, hyper vigilant to other people's state of mind, I need to be worried, I need to um, be concerned about whether I'm in connection with them or not, we create this new blueprint that says I am safely connected um, and I don't need to worry anymore. I don't need to be constantly in the state of mind of the other person anymore. Um, I can just settle into my own self. And so that that starts to uh, shift someone's blueprint and they, over time, they can become securely attached through that process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that one when we did that. That was super helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really beautiful thing yeah and just back to the role-playing because clearly i can't get enough of it (laughs) it's like uh, um what you spoke to before about skipping over your own intuition your own wisdom that was exactly the spot that i was in when i came to you like i knew that that's what i was doing but i couldn't seem to stop myself because i was feeling this anxious attachment so it feels like you know first we did the what you just described and then we went into the role-playing and that really helped and then I think furthermore because you're like a man and I date men it was actually really it felt more real for me to role-play with somebody that I would like might like actually have a conversation with and like have to say no to like Mm. that was I think the really helpful thing for me and then I get to like bring it forward
1: Mm. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, it's it makes it more realistic in that regard because you date men, I'm a man. And so the some of the feelings that came up were the result of the fact that we were emulating a challenging experience or something that would have been challenging at that time for you. And so that's the that's the idea behind it. It's it's not just some abstract conceptual uh approach to boundaries. It's actually like what does it feel like in the moment and uh, kind of gaining awareness of the things that are coming up in the moment when those kinds of conversations are happening and working with them in new ways Mm -hmm. so that when that actually happens in in the real world, you can approach it in a new way as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yay. Everybody do this work. It's so important. So what are you up to now? Like, are you teaching anything in person or do you have an online course? What's in the works? Tell us all the, give us the tea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm not doing anything in person currently, but I am still working with people one-on-one online through zoom uh, in the same way that we work together. Mm -hmm. And um, aside from that, um, I am also releasing the first module from our big course, that I've been working on for two years on this stuff, oh, and so the first, is. yeah, yeah. So it's it's taken a while to get all the parts ready, um, but the first module is is now going to be publicly released in the next few weeks, which is the attachment styles module, and uh, it's called secure intimacy. This um this module, and basically what it's about is uh, working with our anxious side. As well as our avoidance side, if we have you know an avoidance side in intimacy, uh, in a collaborative way. So how do we work with these parts of ourselves uh, in a way that leads to more secure intimacy? Because it's not about just becoming securely attached. Obviously that is helpful. That's the, the work that I do with people. But also, like you said before, um, you know we can have aspects of ourselves that are still there even when we're securely attached. For example, I'm securely attached. And I still have parts of me that can have insecurities and fears and vulnerabilities. Every secure person has these things. And it's and the difference is they work with them in different ways than an insecurely attached person might. So what this module is about, this mini course, is about working with all of those fears and insecurities, um, our need for security in a more secure way using the principles of secure attachment. So instead of yeah trying to get to this like ideal of secure attachment and then everything's going to be better, it's about acknowledging it's it's actually a skill set. And we can start doing that right away. Like we can start working with those fears and insecurities in totally new ways, in secure ways. And that means we can align with healthier and secure um, partners and have more secure partnerships with others as well, even if we're not securely attached. So
0: I love it. Can you, we we talked about all the attachment styles, but let's talk about securely attached. Like what does it look like to be a securely attached person?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. Uh, I love that. Um, So, (laughs) so, um, one of the defining characteristics of secure attachment is a comfort and ease with emotionally depending on others and of others depending on me so basically have this contrast with anxious attachment for example with anxious attachment there's an anxiety about depending on someone else there's a sense that it's not entirely safe i'm going to be abandoned i'm you know i want to depend on you but i i fear it as well i'm because of the insecurity that's inherent in anxious attachment. I'm gonna lose you. So there's a fear around emotionally depending on someone. And then we've got avoid an attachment, which is um, a deep discomfort with emotionally depending on someone else or of someone else depending on me. So secure attachment is uh, uh, that comfort and ease with depending on someone because my blueprint says now, anyway, Not it didn't say this before, but now it says I can rely on someone and I can feel safe with someone. I can share my vulnerabilities with someone. I can um, bring up issues with someone and they will respond to me in a way that feels good to me. So that's my new blueprint. That's the secure attachment blueprint. And what it means uh, you know, in practice is we have healthier relationships when we're securely attached. We can, you know, talk about things that are bothering us in a collaborative way. We don't, uh, we don't feel like we have to like really amp up the intensity of emotion because we feel like we will actually be met, you know, so there's something that comes up. Right. I can go to my partner and just kind of talk about it in a collaborative way and say, hey, there's this thing that's been coming up for me. Um, You know, I want to talk about this thing with you. Are you open to doing that so we can address things in in a more effective way? So what that ends up meaning is um, securely attached people, they bond and uh, get into relationships with a lot more ease. Right. There's a lot less drama. There's a lot less push and pull um, because we can just kind of easily talk about things. So that's a, a, an aspect of secure attachment.
0: Just had this silly vision of like being in the jungle. This was me before doing this work. I was like the elusive, securely attached person. Look at them in their <laughs> I'm like, like so endangered in my. <laughs> But I'm like, no, they're out there. Oh, sorry. I love it. And also speaking to something that uh, you had talked about to me at some point, I forgot when, but how being securely attached means being okay, no matter what happens, like if a relationship ends, like you, you will be grief. You'll have your feelings, but ultimately, you know that you are okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, exactly. So that's another feature of secure attachment, which is the sense that um, my needs can be met by the world, which means that, um, you know, if I'm in a connection with someone who is clearly incompatible with me, instead of continuing with that for five years, I feel like, well, that's not working. And I feel a sense of trust in the abundance of the world that like, okay, well, this person doesn't have it all, you know, that all the love in the world is not wrapped up in this one person. Mm. There's other people that I could also connect with. So there's a sense of ease with that, that idea that it's not uh, scarce. Love is not scarce in the world. And so that's an aspect of secure attachment. That's why securely attached people don't end up sticking with people for you know a long period of time who they're incompatible with, which is in contrast with someone who might be more anxiously attached, where there's more of a scarcity that's there. There's a sense that all the love in the world is wrapped up in this one person and I need to make it work with them or else the world will fall apart and I won't be able to deal with all the emotions that come from that. So there's a sense that, you know, worse, you know, if this doesn't work out, it'll be okay. Right. So that means that's secure as we become more securely attached, we can feel a greater sense of okayness with not having to be with that person who um is, you know, showing us that they're not really able to meet us in the ways that we want. Mm-hmm.
0: Bingo, love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um amazing. So as we come to a close, so you said you're working with people one on one you're going to have this incredible program coming out, and what else do you want to tell us that you're up to or where to find you?
1: uh well, I think those those are the two main things so basically, um a lot of what I share comes through my Facebook account where I'm you know sharing a lot of free content um to help people understand these ideas. Um, and just kind of going into more detail about them so people can find my free content on there. But yeah, uh, I will be releasing that module quite shortly um, or the mini course, Secure Attack, Secure Intimacy. And otherwise, yeah, my one-on-one work work is available if someone wants to, um, you know, uh, is interested in that, they can reach out to me or book, book a call from my website
0: Amazing. And we're going to put all of your information in the show notes. And before we go, I just want to sing your praises for a second because something that really stood out to me about you in particular is your integrity. And that you really feel like a clean, clear vessel for this work. Like I always felt that with you and I so appreciate that. And a coach, a teacher, a mentor, anything, it's like so important. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you for that and that everybody should know that your integrity is like (laughs) incredible. Feels so good and so clean to be, to be in your presence and to work with you. So thank you for that. Um, Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else that you want to say before we, before we close? That's all. That's all for today, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening until next time. Thank you for listening to serving love podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. You can find me on social media as Meredith Flynn. Until next time, I wish you lots of love.